Home is a place where a lot of life happens. A place where a mix of sweet and mundane moments are captured. We can often see our home as a place of refuge, a place of rest, or simply a place where dinner is made and our favorite TV shows are watched. But if we are honest, I mean really honest, and if we reveal the behind the scenes aesthetic, we navigate a lot of battles at home. Home quickly turns from a place of laughs to a place of sadness. A place where words are said that can't be taken back. A place where God was once known and experienced to a place where we doubt if he's even there. Fights with our loved ones, fights with ourselves, fights with our thoughts, fights with God. So much of the fight we don't let anyone in on. But now more than ever, we need to be equipped for the everyday battles we navigate. This is a series about how God calls us to see our home as not only a place of love and laughter and joy, but also a battleground we fight for. This is, is the fight, fight of, of our, our lives. lives. Well, all right. Good morning, Ascent. Happy 4th of July weekend. Um, it's so good to be with all of you. And I know for a fact today that we have some people visiting with us today, and there may be some other new people in the room, so I just want to say welcome to you. Um, oh, over there in that section. Bam. Welcome. We're so glad you're here. Uh, my name is Aisha, and uh, last week we kicked off this brand new series called The Fight of Our Lives. And in this series, we're going to be looking at the different battles that we navigate on a day-to-day -day basis and shedding light on some of those. And last week, um, my husband Maurice and I got to kick us off with talking about the battles that we experience in our homes, that relational conflict with those closest to us. And today, I'm going to get into a different topic but before I do, um, if you don't know, your girl loves movies. That happens to be a lot of times part of my sermon prep. So you're going to experience a little bit of that today. And I want to pause and just test your ability to name some of the weapons that some of our beloved superheroes use, okay? And I haven't said this in a while because I feel like y'all have just been with me. But feel free to talk back, engage with me. Okay, let's do this. So... Marvel fans in the room, tell me what Captain America's weapon of choice is. Shield. Shield. Okay, we got that picture on the screen. Yes. Okay, that was easy. We're going you're gonna to elevate. Okay, now two, this woman, um, you probably wouldn't classify her as a superhero, but she has supernatural abilities. I'm talking about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Does anybody know? Yes, it's a throwback. Yes, that was my girl, Sarah Michelle Gellar. Okay, what is her weapon of choice? Come on, not the one that you eat, but the one that you use to defeat, you know what I'm saying? Okay, Sarah Michelle Gellar, my girl. Okay, this next one, going back to Marvel. What is Thor's weapon of choice? Wow, it's some real Marvel fans in here because y'all know how to say that. I had to go on YouTube to hear the pronunciation. I ain't even gonna say it again. Sturgeon did it so well for me. And this last one, one of my favorites, like I literally have this costume when we do our uh, trick-or-treat walk around here. What is Wonder Woman's weapon of choice? She has multiple. Okay, this is too easy for y'all. Yes, yes. Shout out to Sturge over there holding me down. But you know, y'all, the thing about Wonder Woman, 
she basically has on the whole armor of God. She has a sword. She has bracelets of submission. She has an armor, a shield, tiara. That is my girl. And y'all, I love superheroes. And deep down, I secretly want to be one. And whenever I get an insect bite, I think to myself, is this the moment when my life changes? <laughs> like, where I'm just, you know, this is it. Like, I get kind of excited, and then that's not it. It's just itchy and irritating. And I bring this up because this is part of my sermon prep. But also, I believe that many of us, when we leave our homes, we put on a superhero cape, too. We put on this facade of strength because we feel pressure to have it together all the time. And sometimes we put that pressure on ourselves to have it together all the time. We show up for those in our lives that we love and rescue the day, while at the same time, we suppress our tears and minimize our own need for help. We say we're okay, but in reality, we're not. And the truth is that God did not create us to be superheroes. God created us to be superhuman. And we are made in his image and his likeness. And scripture shows us that we serve a God who has emotion, who experiences a wide range of emotion. And being that we're creating his image, we experience a wide range of emotions. And there's various references in scripture to the challenges, the battles that we will experience. One that comes to mind is Jesus' words to his disciples in John 16, 33. He makes it very clear. In this world, you will have trouble. Make no and, ifs, or buts about it. Whether you believe in Jesus or not. I feel um, Liam Neeson, I don't know how to say his last name, but basically the taken guy. Trouble will come find you, okay? That's what I'm trying to say. And when we talk about battles, I believe one of the greatest battlefields that we all have in this room right now and watching online is the battlefield that is up here. The battlefield in our minds. The battle when it comes to the thoughts that we think. What are the thoughts that you've been thinking lately? What are the thoughts that you would be too embarrassed? to voice out loud, to share with a friend? Anybody ever have a thought and you just get stuck in that thought and you just kind of spiral for a little bit? Have you noticed an increase of fearful thoughts, of worried thoughts since the pandemic? I know personally for me, I've seen now that I can so quickly operate with a lens of fear. I can so quickly go to the what ifs, to the worst case scenario. And God knew the battle in our thought life would be real. And that's why he tells us in Romans 12, to not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, and we renew our mind by spending time in his word. And our thoughts impact how we feel, how we feel impacts how we show up. So this morning, 
the battle specifically that I want to talk about is a battle with anxiety, a battle with anxious thoughts. And before I say this, I just want to say I've asked a lot of people in my sermon prep, I have never heard a sermon in church on anxiety when so many people more than ever are battling anxiety. The American Psychological Association defines anxiety as this, an emotion characterized by feelings of tension, worry thoughts, and physical changes like increased blood pressure. I've also heard it described as this, an emotional response. Oh, actually, this is an answer to how to differentiate between fear and anxiety. It said that fear is an emotional response to a real or perceived threat, while anxiety is an emotional response to a real or perceived future threat. I want to normalize anxiety too. Anxiety is common. It's our response to a threat. And anxiety also is not a one-size-fits-all kind of thing. It's on a continuum. What it may look like for me may be different for you. And I reached out to a few of the therapists in my life because, child, I know my lane. I am scripture in Jesus. There are people who go to school and have training that I don't. So why would I not seek their wisdom on this? And one of the common things that they said to me is that anxiety tends to be, um, anxiety tends to be about what we can't control. The fear of the unknown. The fear of losing something, of losing someone feeling judged. And some of our battles with anxious thoughts can be triggered by events or people, our thoughts again. But I also know that there's those of us where anxiety has become so crippling and it negatively impacts day-to-day -day activities and things that we do and, and that's where anxiety disorders come in. But today, my focus is specifically on those anxious thoughts. And the same thing that Maurice and I said last week is that we want to offer spiritual lens and a practical tool, practical tools that applies to today as well. And my friend Kathy Nurum, who is also a therapist and uh, co-leads our Step to Healing space, she told me something that I'm so grateful for. She said, Aisha, did you know the simple thing about you talking about anxiety can make people who wrestle anxiety be anxious when they hear that? And I said, no, I didn't think about that. I said, thank you for sharing that with me. And I just want to say, if you're in the room today and you're like, Aisha talking about what I do, this is just bringing up some stuff for me, I want to encourage you to take care of you to do what you need to do to be gentle with yourself if you need to step out, if you need to go in the back and breathe, do whatever you need to do, okay? And before I get into the message that God has put on my heart, my prayer was, God, what do you want your sons and daughters who battle anxiety to know before I even get into the message? And he put a few things on my heart. He said, you are loved unconditionally. You are not less than because you battle anxiety. You are not a weak Christian 
because you battle anxiety. You are not alone in your battle with anxiety. With that being said, let me pray for our morning. Father, I just thank you so much for your presence here today. I thank you, God, that you've given me a message that so many in this room, online, in our community, in our world, navigate. So Holy Spirit, I just yield my message to you. I yield my thoughts to you. And I just pray that you would speak through me, that you would speak through me to every heart under the sound of my voice. God, would you have your way? In Jesus' name, amen. I know we have lots of different learners in the room. And again, your girl likes TV. So one of my favorite characters on my favorite show battles anxiety as well. So would you turn your attention to the screen? Randall is not free of vice, William. His vice is his goodness. It must have been incredibly lonely. It's his compulsive drive to be perfect. You know, Randall, it wouldn't hurt you to, to lighten up on yourself. No way. I'm going to fix this. It's not good enough. What? What's not good enough? What's my paper? I've been anxious for so long. He's going to do better than me. Breathe. Yeah, breathe. Put too much pressure on yourself, son. I don't get better. I've had two nervous breakdowns in my life. One right before Tess was born, and one just earlier this year. One morning I was in the bathroom, and he called out to me, and he was confused, you know. He was confused because he couldn't see anything. You okay? And they happen when I let myself get stressed out, and it just builds up inside, and then... He'd worked himself into a nervous breakdown. Your brother and your sister are kind of high maintenance, so, so I need you to just keep being you. You lied. You said that you take care of everything. You said we'd be okay, that you'd step up and make sure of it. But you lied. Because if you go south, I'm dead, we don't stand a chance. appreciated that video because it showed Randall in various stages of his life. It shows Randall as a kid. It shows Randall as a teenager. It shows Randall as an adult. And anxiety hits every generation. In this video, we also see some of the physical symptoms of anxiety. Elevated heart rate shortness of breath, that weight that you feel on your chest like an elephant that's sitting on it, dizzy, lightheaded. Sometimes anxiety can lead to panic attacks. And it would have been real easy for me to stand up here and speak on battling fear or battling perfectionism because that has been something that I have been working on these past few years and I feel like I'm on the other side of that. But when it comes to battling anxious thoughts, I'm not quite on the other side. 
I'm more over here. And I'm in it. And this is real to me. And I started thinking about one of my favorite men in the Bible, David. One of the most beautiful psalms, in my opinion, Psalm 139. You should read it. You should read it a lot. I want to read to you one verse in there. It's Psalm 139, verse 23. He says this, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Our rhythm of grace this month is self-examination, and here is a very practical example of David leaning into that. He tells God to search him and know his anxious thoughts. God knows when we're anxious, and that doesn't scare him. That doesn't turn him off at all. So I love that the same David who defeated Goliath, the same David who is mentioned in Scripture as a man after God's own heart, the same David that when he defeated Goliath, you know everybody and their mama was scared. The king was terrified. They're like, oh, sir, you crazy. And he had this confidence in God. Like, you don't know my God. But this same David also battles anxiety. And if you pay attention to his psalms, you start to see that. And there's going to be a psalm that we are going to spend the majority of our time in today, Psalm 55, where it paints a picture of David in an anxious state. And I'm going to read the first eight verses to you. David says, listen to my prayer, O God. Do not ignore my plea. Hear me and answer me. My thoughts trouble me, and I am distraught because of what my enemy is saying, because of the threats of the wicked, for they bring down suffering on me and assail me in their anger. My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen on me, and trembling have beset me, Horror has overwhelmed me. I said, oh, that I had the wings of a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. I would flee far away and stay in the desert. I would hurry to my place of shelter, far from the tempest and storm. Hmm. Before I say anything else, I want you to know today that God holds space for every thought that you think and every emotion that you feel. God holds space for every thought that you think and every emotion that you feel. The first thing that I see in David's life that we see in that first verse is that he invited God into what he was feeling. David invites God into what he is feeling. He is anxious, y'all. It's all over that passage. His thoughts trouble him. He feels the threat, suffering is upon him. His heart is in anguish, terrors of death. That's worst case scenario if, I, if you didn't know. David's in this anxious state. The same anxious who said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I think it's important that we remember David and his other moments in Scripture because this moment of anxiety does not cancel out those other moments. 
with God. I said his moment of anxiety does not cancel out his other moments of faith, his other moments of trusting God. Now, when we invite God into our feelings, before I say that, sometimes we don't invite God into our feelings. And you know what that's called? Or not even not inviting God. Sometimes we just try to stuff our feelings. We get into what they call emotional bypassing. And this happens when we don't allow ourselves to fully process negative emotions, those hard emotions, those emotions that make us uncomfortable. And when we do that, we disconnect from our feelings. We avoid our emotion and we, you know, just try to skip to the positive or, you know, skip to something good. Sometimes we can be even unaware that we are doing that. But God doesn't want us to ignore our emotions. He wants us to pay attention to them. I was talking to a friend who battles anxiety and she said, you know, Aisha, when I share with someone that I am anxious and whatever the circumstances and they tell me, just stay positive. Hmm. She said that's so dismissive. Because we, we don't get there. We don't get there, but first, let's acknowledge how we're feeling. And y'all, I am a hard practitioner of lament. And I also see these first eight verses is David telling God how he's feeling with no filter. No need to put a, a salt and pepper of faith on it. God, this is where I am right now. And that's needed before we can move to anything else. We need to invite God into our feelings and name what we're feeling. There's power in naming it. Sometimes we think that we lose power in naming that we're anxious or naming whatever the thought is, whatever the thing is that we're thinking. And actually there's power when we can name it. Amen. The therapist is not her head, so that's the amen I needed. Okay. So David invites God into his feelings. Now, the next thing that I want to pause, and we're going to see that David embodies this as well, is when it comes to battling anxiety, after we whew, feel what we're feeling, can we step into examining our thoughts? Again, the battle is up here. A lot of times we let our thoughts run wild, and I feel like we need some parental controls like we have on Netflix and certain things that we watch. We need to have some controls on our mind. And as someone who battles anxiety, I would say that uh, a lot of times in the moment, it's hard for me to examine my thoughts. It depends on where I am. And with that, if you're not able to examine your thoughts in the moment and say, what am I thinking right now? What is the thought that is triggering this anxious feeling? What has been helpful to me is circling back to that. And... Um, Lindsay Sturgeon really just hit hard on this, of circling back to that thought and asking myself, what was I thinking? What was my thought at that time when I was feeling anxious? And a lot of times we just let the anxiety run rampant in our mind and then we move on about our day. But there's something beautiful about circling back and examining your thoughts. There's a passage in Philippians 4, 6, 8. 
Actually, I'm going to read verses 6 through 8 to you. It says this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Verse 8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And when we talk about examining our thoughts, that latter part of Philippians, I'm going to get to the first part, don't even worry about it. Verse 8 gives us a great tool of what we can think. Another translation of that says, think about whatever is true. And sometimes when it comes to anxiety, everything that we think ain't true. Everything that we think is not a hard fact. So I think um, I'm looking at the time today, and child, I got about two weeks series for this. (laughs) But I will say, I'm going to just sit on that first part. Think about whatever is true. So as you go back and examine your thoughts, is that true? How do I know that that's true? How do I know that that is a guarantee that that's going to happen? And again, sometimes in the moment, I can't do that. Sometimes it can be a little challenging, but if we circle back and get into a habit of doing that, it could be so, so helpful. Now I'm going to circle back up to that first part of verse 6 that says, do not be anxious. And I feel like this scripture has been used to dismiss a lot of people who battle anxiety. Someone just confided in you, they're having a moment, don't, don't be anxious for nothing. And I want to ask you a question. There's over 365 times in scripture where God says, do not be afraid. But we interpret that differently than when we see, do not be anxious. And as I start to think about that, like, do not be anxious. But I find encouragement when God tells me to not be afraid because I am afraid. And how I interpret God's voice It's not a voice of condemnation. It's a voice of comfort. God's voice in this passage is not one of condemnation and shame, but it's one of comfort. He knows you're going to be anxious. He knows you're going to have those moments. And um, I wish I could just pull all the therapists that I talked to up here on stage because they just broke things down so beautifully that I'm not going to be able to. But... um, Lindsay and Chris, you know, they have uh, two girls that are really amazing and that I love. Oh, hey, girl, she's right there waving at me. And Lindsay was telling me, like, when she hears that, she pictures God as a perfect parent. That's saying, come and talk to me. What's going on? How, how are you feeling? It's, again, it's an inviting God in. It's God sitting with us, God encouraging us, God comforting us in the midst of of our anxiety. And that is a very helpful tool. What is true? Examine your thoughts. Be curious about your thinking patterns. The last thing that I want us to take away today is the power of grounding ourselves in God's presence. 
grounding ourselves in God's presence. When I feel anxious, I'm longing for safety. I'm longing for security. And there's a passage in Psalms that says, I'm going to just have to free flow because I don't know if I gave that. But it essentially says, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I am. And that's what grounding ourselves in God's presence is to me. It's shifting my mind. It's shifting my focus to God. Another way that we can ground ourselves in God's presence is by breathing. And that sounds so simple, but when anxiety kicks in, sometimes we need a reminder to breathe. And there's a passage in Acts 17, 28, and it says, in him we live and move and have our very being. And in those anxious moments, we can just slow down and breathe. And remind ourselves as the song sings, as the song says, it's your breath in my lungs. And my awareness of God's presence, my awareness that he will never leave me nor forsake me, my awareness of my breath helps me with those anxious moments. I want to read to you how David closes out Psalm 55, verses 16 through 19. He says, again, he's already processed his raw emotions, how he's feeling, no filter. And he says this, starting at verse 16. As for me, I call to God, and the Lord saves me. Evening, morning, and noon I cry out in distress, and he hears my voice. He rescues me unharmed from the battle waged against me. Even though many oppose me, God, who was enthroned from old, who does not change, he will hear them and humble them because they have no fear of God. I forgot to give you all a little context, but David is being threatened by his enemies. And that's just kind of the backdrop of this verse. And he concludes Psalm 55 with this phrase. But as for me... I trust in you. As for me, I trust in you. This psalm right here, this psalm of anxiety, it's also both a psalm of lament and gratitude. Gratitude not for the anxiety, not for the circumstance, not for the thought, but the fact that God is with me in the thought, in the anxiety, and in the circumstance. As for me, I trust in you. I am the prayer pastor, so of course I believe in the power of prayer. I love to pray. You catch me doing that a lot. But one of the things that I've experienced with anxiety is, hmm, as the scripture says, when I cast all my anxieties upon him and I do it in prayer, and then I say, in Jesus' name, I cast it down for about 30 seconds, and then I pick it back up. And when we do that, sometimes you can be like, oh, see, that's why I don't pray, because prayer don't work. 
prayer don't help. A lot of y'all smiling because you've, you've done it too. I do it too. And I had this moment recently when the shooting happened um, in Texas, in Uvalde. I was supposed to be at a school the next day. And it's like 12 a.m. because that's my ideal bedtime, but sometimes that doesn't happen. It ends up being like 2. But it's 12, and I'm like, what is going on right now? I'm like, am I having some, some heart challenges? My, my heart's feeling heavy. It's tense. I'm taking off, you know, my, my robe and getting comfortable. And I realized how anxious I was about going to work the next day. And I prayed, and I did my breathing, and I did yoga, and all these mindful things that are part of my toolkit. And it wasn't working. And I told Maurice, and you remember, I'm like, if whatever this is, I cannot get it under control, I will be the first person to go see a doctor. Because I believe, as my mentor in my head says, that prayer is a weapon, but therapy is a strategy. And I believe in Jesus and therapy. The same way if someone is hurt up in here, oh, you can clap that if you want to, we should, we should. And the same way if someone in here has a concussion, I am going to pray for you, but I'm also telling you, you should, you should go see a doctor too. Like, you need help with that? And I had this moment where my tools aren't working. And um, shout out to Stuart. He really loves Phil Wickham. So I started to listen to uh, Phil Wickham's latest acoustic album. And I still have this heaviness in my chest that I have not been able to shake for like 36 hours. And it comes on, and um, y'all, I really love to worship. I wish Whitney would let me be on the worship team, although I can't sing. Um, but I'm in my kitchen. No one's there. No one can hear me. So I am just singing. It was the house of the Lord. That's why I asked us to start our time with that this morning. I was singing it, and I was moving. And sometimes I just have this little sway, and like Maurice will come down and just see me swaying and moving. And when I started to do that, that feeling, that feeling that I've been carrying, it went away. And I asked my professor, who's also a therapist, and I'm like, what is this? She's like, another tool is movement. Movement is powerful. And something that we've lost a little bit in the Western church is that our worship has become very still. But when you move and you worship, there's joy in the house of the Lord. I will speak to this mountain. There's power in that. There's release in that. Whoo, child. So many things, so many things. Um, I'm going to have to wrap up right there. If you ever want to talk about the battle, holla at me. I hope you have a safe person to talk about. And again, these are just some tools that I see in Scripture of inviting God into our feelings, examining our thoughts, and grounding ourselves in God's presence. Um, shout out to Dennis, um, my partner in crime at times, a lot of times for Catalyst. He always talks about this unusual awareness of God's presence. And sometimes I'm so consumed with my circumstances and how I'm feeling, I need that reminder. And I just want to let y'all know how real this was for me. My mom was supposed to be here today, um, but she was in an um, accident on Sunday. And I had a meeting with the prayer team, and I seen that text, and it said, your mom was in an accident. 
in my mind, I blanked out and went straight to panic, straight to anxiety. So bad that I had a panic attack, and I don't remember. I just know people were gently, I felt Ms. Lauren Tan on my back and, and, and Peggy over here, and, and people just praying with me. And then my friend Mary, who is just, everyone needs a Mary in their life. She's just right in front of me, reminding me to breathe. Just breathe. I'm right here. Look at me. And I thank you for that. And sometimes when it comes to grounding ourselves in God's presence, <laughs> Sometimes we need community to help us do that. Because in that moment, I couldn't do it on my own. And even as, I, as my mind starts to wonder about how my mom is and is she okay and I want to get to her and, and all these things, I had this realization on Saturday, I haven't prayed about my mom all week. I think I might have said, thank you, God, that she's okay. But <laughs> what I probably associated as prayer was all the worry and anxious thoughts, the fact that my mom has been on my mind every day. And I feel like the parent. I'm calling her, how are you doing? Let me see. Are you good? Are you doing what you're supposed to do? Call my dad and, you know, check in on her. So this is real for me. I also want to give y'all a life update. So how do I say this? Um... There's been a pattern that I've noticed in my life as it pertains to God, God calling me to do something, God inviting me to do something. He puts an impression on my heart, and I'm like, you want me to do what? It's uncomfortable. It's something, to be honest, I don't want to do, never saw myself doing. Then I'm like, okay. Then I do it, and then I cry before I do it. I cry as I'm doing it. I cry after I'm doing it. And then I get to this gray zone that I'm like, okay, God, I don't know what you're doing, but I did what you said. And after that, I start to see a glimpse of what God is doing. And there's a scripture that says, you may not understand right now, but in time you will. And a few weeks ago, I um, left here to get a smoothie. Food and movies is always a part of my story, y'all. Um, left here to get a smoothie. And I got this impression on my heart. And based on what I heard, I went into a time of fasting and prayer. And with that, um, God has made it clear to me that my season as prayer pastor and being on staff here at Ascent um, is coming to an end. And the month of July will be um, my last month on staff. And as I share that, as I think about how I'm wired, I made a, a pros and cons list. And then I was like, I can't do that because I know what God said. So I made it a cost and obedience list. And the cost side is long. And the only part on the obedience side is that I know what I heard. I know what I heard. It's been confirmed, affirmed, repeated. And to make this decision and not know what's next, <laughs> fear of the unknown, I hate transition. It's exhausting. Going back into a, a transitional phase, it can bring a lot of anxiety. 
financially, ooh, what that's going to look like. So even though there's great temptation for anxiety, there's also great opportunity for gratitude. Some people would even say that gratitude is an antidote for anxiety. And what I've learned, what I've experienced, what I've heard from the therapist in my life is that practicing gratitude is something that you have to do daily. Not just in that moment, so you are practicing it daily. And then when that anxiety comes, you can eventually get to that place. And again, it's not thanking God for your circumstances or your anxiety, but thanking God that he is with you. Thanking God like David did, that you hear me, God, that you see me, that you love me, that you don't condemn me or make me feel less than because I am battling anxiety in this moment. There's a verse in Psalms 94, 19 that says this. When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought me joy. Your presence brings me joy. One of my favorite scriptures in Isaiah, I believe it's 26.3, it says he promises that when we keep our minds stayed on him, he will keep us in perfect peace. And in that passage, that's what I talked about. That's what it mentioned that peace that surpasses all understanding. Make your requests known to God with praise and thanksgiving. Y'all, the fact that I am not in my ugly cry phase right now is a modern day miracle of Jesus. So thank you, Lord, for that. I love you all so much, so, so, so much. And I pray for my brothers and sisters that battle anxiety that you know you're not alone, that you know you are loved, and that you see that God has some tools in scripture, that if you need other tools, if you need to utilize a therapist or a doctor or medicine, that's okay too. Let me pray for us. Father, you are so good. How can we not praise you? even when our circumstances aren't how we'd like them to be, even when our mind, <laughs> the battle is crazy. We thank you, God, that you are with us in that. We thank you, God, that you promise to never leave us nor forsake us. We thank you, God, that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through you. We thank you that you speak to anxiety. We thank you that there is joy in your presence. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that there is no shame, no shame, no shame. God, I pray that these words fall on good ground, that they take root in our hearts in our minds and they produce fruit. And we are able to be a compassionate presence to those in our life that battle anxiety, that we can be gentle and kind with ourselves on the days when it's hard and we just need to take care of us. Thank you, God, that your grace is sufficient. Thank you, God, that you are our rock, that you are firm, that you are steady, that you are a firm foundation, that you are immovable. And I thank you, God, that we have the ability to ground ourselves in you.
search our hearts today, God. Show us where anxiety is lingering. Show us where anxiety is hiding. And help us process that in an authentic and vulnerable way. In Jesus' name, amen.